Welcome to Chuck and Anthony Ragnatalk, the premier limited format prestige podcast about the greatest film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor Ragnarok. I'm Anthony Carboni, sitting across the internet from Mr. Chuck Wendig. Hello, Chuck. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm good, Chuck. It's uh, it's a bittersweet day, you know. It is. Boy, we, it is. Uh, we had a good journey. We had a good journey. We had a good run. Of course, this is, we are now at the last five minutes of Thor Ragnarok. This is, it. This is like the it's, the, it's the exciting part. This is it. And, you know, since we are a podcast about Thor Ragnarok and only Thor Ragnarok, yeah. uh, there's nothing we can do uh, except let you know that we are going to be covering the last five minutes of Thor Ragnarok uh, next week. Yep. Oh, boom. You just got surprised, everybody. Uh, this this week, we're, we're taking a little break to discuss some of our favorite things of the year of our Lord, 2018. That's right. Uh, we will get right back to Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. You just got Shyamalan, audience. Welcome to the Shyamalan experience. Welcome to the Shyamalan experience. If only there was a Shyamalan movie for 2018 so we could put yeah. it on our best we, of But lists. we can't. We can't, can we? Something we're like, I don't know. Like the trees were the trees were the bad guys all. Oh along boy, or that something. would be so great! A great idea. I hope he does that one someday. Or it definitely uh, couldn't fail. Maybe take a take a beloved cartoon and just fuck just, it. Yeah, just yeah. Just that, what a, that's the Shyamalan it. experience. Is that I'm going to take this amazing cartoon and just just grudge fuck it in the woods somewhere. That's what it is. It's not good. It's not good. But there was no Shyamalan movie. Nope. In 2018, no. just a preview. Uh, There's a preview. There is a preview. Yeah. There's things coming. I mean, and look. Yeah. Can I can I be 100% real with you, Chuck? Do it. Unbreakable might be my favorite Shyamalan movie. Yeah, I think it's mine too. Like yeah. I know it shouldn't be, but it is. No, but it, you know what? I feel like he is at maximum Shyamalan in that film. In that uh, you know, he he's still it's still him, right? It's mm-hmm. still his kind of weird direction and everything is shot in a mirror, this long like there's that one scene, it's so beautiful where the guy is bleeding out in the early, early part after the accident. And oh, it yeah. just holds that shot forever as it slowly happens. It's really actually a pretty great movie. I mean, yeah. it's a mess at the same time. It's and it's basically mess. like the, the first act of a movie. It's not actually a whole movie. It's uh, no, uh, but I love it. It's no lady in the water, but it's pretty good. Well, well, <laughs> well, uh, let's, uh, so we thought we would do music, movies, books, games, TV, and comics. Is that what we said? I, f- I feel like that's right. Yeah. What do we call it? Like, what are these? Are these the Rockies? Are these yeah. the Raggies? The Raggies. Are these the Lokis? The, the Loki. The Lokis. That's good, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll call like, these the Loki. These are the Lokis. Loki. Welcome to the Loki Awards, everybody. Uh, we each picked something. Um, yeah. So let's start. Yeah. Let's start with music. Music. I fucking love music. Music is good. All right. I, I listen to music. Boy, you ever see that Ga- You ever see that Gabriel Gundacker video? Is this, is this music? I love music. No. No, I need to <laughs> It's see just that. a guy going... I love, oh, is this, I love music. Is this music? Yeah, music is great. And he's like, he's like pointing at a CD. He's like, oh, is, is this music? No, it's not, it's not playing. Oh, I love this. What is this? Like, <laughs> That's good. I like that. Uh, um, very good year for music. I think so. Uh, do you, do you want to go first for this uh, one? You know what? Uh, we, and we're just doing one. Or are we doing like a couple? You can talk what? about, I think you can talk about some runners, some runners up. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to give uh, a, a two row. Obviously, you know, we don't even, do we even need to mention Dirty Computer, Janelle Monet? Because it's like so, it's so good. It's 
does it even, it can't not be on that list. I, I think it's, yeah, it's definitely on mine as well. Yeah, so. Dirty Computer is an unbelievable album. Dirty Computer is an unbelievable album. So, okay. Uh, She's, she might yeah. be the only person mm-hmm. in the current day yeah. that can do a concept album. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like overwrought or like some throwback or like it's it's trying no. too hard. Every trying, one of yeah. her albums is a concept album and they it all is. work perfectly. And they all work perfectly. I feel like, you know, uh, she's going to save the world. Because like, look, listen, we know that David Bowie and Prince left this mortal coil. And obviously mm-hmm. two major pillars of the whatever cosmic infrastructure was holding up reality crumbled and now we're screwed but i do believe she is sort of like maybe like a, the star child of those two people and that then maybe sense. she's here to save us i feel like yeah. she's here to save us can we just janelle monet is here to save us all yeah yeah okay so we know that that's obviously the best thing that happened musically this year but okay we're moving on uh <laughs> metric the new metric album are you a metric fan I am a metric fan metric fan art of doubt that's a solid a solid entry i don't know if it's their best album but i mean in a year of really good music, I still think it stands out. Yes. Uh, Thunder Pussy, I know. I know that's a, I mean, you know, we, we were saying some naughty words there. Uh, but actually two albums from Thunder Pussy, their self-titled uh, EP, or uh, not self, self-titled self album, and their EP, uh, Greatest Tits. Uh, do you, do you don't know Chuck, Thunder Chuck, I don't Pussy? know that I'm yeah. familiar with Thunder Pussy. Thunder Pussy is a, uh, I, I, I can't guarantee that they're like a, a, a lesbian hard rock band, but they uh, definitely their songs are very much that. Like Speed Queen is like this sort of uh, you know radar love kind of riff on okay. um, a woman who finds another woman in a bar, and they're like Speed Queen stunt freaks, and you're it's just a rock an awesome, guy. I, I do like rock, yeah. No, you're a big rock guy, rock. yeah. But I think my favorite album of the year, uh, just because it got played so often, is uh, I like fun. They might be giants. Yeah. Right? I love man. I like it's fun. crazy to think of how long my love affair with They Might Be Giants has been going on. It's nearly eternal for me at this point. I th- I want to say the first time I heard They Might Be Giants was either it was either on a college radio station that I only picked up on a boombox in my bedroom when sure. I was seven. Heck yeah. Or on Tiny Toon Adventures. Tiny Toon Adventures. Hell yes. Tiny Toon Adventures, I think, when I was like seven years old, introduced me to Particle Man. Yeah, Particle Man. So and good. Istanbul. Well, see, that's a great thing. Like, I remember coming up and at that time where, um, you know, you had uh, Pearl Jam and Nirvana kind of cracking into, like, kind of the heavy metal market because no one knew what the hell alternative really even was. But then at the same time, you had that sort of quirkier, stranger stuff, like They Might Be Giants, and both of those things were uh, required for my, you know, my spiritual DNA at that point. Yeah, I've, I've, the Johns are very good. The Johns They're are the best. They're very good. So good. I think my my list, Dirty Computer's definitely on my yeah. list as well. Yeah. Um, the Now Now from the Gorillas is on my list. Oh, sure, um, absolutely. I thought Humans was really good, um, mm-hmm. but it felt like strangely, I mean, it was not a Gorillas album. What it was was it was really like Damon Albarn deciding, I am going to thrust all of these people in house and hip hop and R&B in the world right now to the forefront in mainstream because yeah. I have the power to do that. And yeah. Humans was an amazing album because of it. Uh, but the Now Now is definitely a Back gorillas album. Yeah, it's gorillas, And it's very good. Uh, Lush, Snail Mail is on there. Ooh. Uh, she's like 18 years old and she's making these like shoegaze albums that are amazing. God damn, all right. Okay, Lush, I'm in. Uh, Mitski, Be the Cowboy was a very sure. good one this year. I know year. Mitski, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Christine and the Queens, Chris was very good. I don't know that. 
uh, Vince Staples had a good one. Christina the Queens uh, is 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 a super good kind of like slow pop R and B. It's it's like really good. Okay. Uh, nice. Vince Staples had a great album this year. Kanye's album was great, but I have so many I have so many fraught Kanye. issues with Kanye right Kanye. now. Kanye, Jesus, yeah, like. There's, you can separate art from artists sometimes until the artist just keeps showing up. I've been and like, like and punching you in the face, and you're yeah. like, I can't, I can't separate you now. I think of the face punch. And I've loved and I've loved Kanye for so long. And you go through these periods where everybody loves Kanye, and then you're the person defending Kanye, and then yeah. and it's just weird because his album this year was just this amazing introspective, like brilliant thing about being basically being being bipolar. Yeah. Um, and and being an artist with with mental issues and and man, it was such a beautiful thing. But dude, just get off Twitter, like yeah, like, like just get off Twitter and get out of the White House. Don't go, don't go there. Get um, out of there. Yeah, but I think for me, my number one album this okay. year. Okay, all right. Twenty four seven lo fi hip hop chill beats oh, to study God. to. Oh, I write to that. I don't write to music ever, but that. Fucking channel, yes. I, I'm not even fucking kidding. No, I best searched thing ever. I searched in my soul to decide whether I was being ironic or not. Nope. Like no. whether I was doing this as a gag. And listen, this is a podcast about Thor Ragnarok. Only, only Thor Ragnarok. Right. But goddamn, lo-fi hip hop changed my life this year. It did. It really because it like I sometimes I needed to chill the fuck out, and that is there for me. God, it's so good. I, I mean, I listened to the Chilled Cow Station, which is obviously the big one on YouTube. Yeah. It's the girl studying. It's the one that'll pop up. Yep. Um, but there's also like a there's also like a great hip hop, uh, lo-fi hip hop playlist done by Chilled Cow on Spotify. There's a Spotify list called Cute Beats mm, that's okay. very good right now. That's always on. Um, yeah, I just I don't know, man. Sometimes in a year like this year, I really feel like what I mostly need is to be soothed. <laughs> oh God, seriously. I need to, yeah, like a, like a swaddling, like a baby being swaddled, yeah. Like all of my favorite stuff this year is is incredibly is incredibly personal or incredibly political. Like it, it was a really great year for, um, for artists examining the human condition, but also artists examining the political landscape and the social landscape. Yeah. And that's all very important. However. However, <laughs> Jesus Christ, sometimes I just need, need to, look to away. sit- and just like have some chilling bleep blorps. Yeah. I'll tell you, man, that's the fucked up thing about 2018 is that uh, when I went back to look at like what happened this year, it occurred to me I had literally no sense of time. Some things were like, oh my God, that was this year. That felt like it was five years ago. And some things I was like, that was definitely this year. And it was like 2015. Ooh, <laughs> like, let me no tell idea what's happening. Something about 2018, and I'm not yeah. going to speculate as to what it is because well, mm, uh, no. this is strictly Only. a podcast about a movie based on a comic book. Mm-hmm. But- Something about 2018 has compressed time and hurtled us uh, ever closer to the singularity yep. where every year will be a hundred years. Yes. Things and, are breaking. Uh, like the, the, the whatever, we talked about that infrastructure, that cosmic, it's just shattering. The infrastructure is slowly crumbling and it's messing with all of us. I feel, yeah, I've definitely become unstuck in time and I don't yes. know how I feel about it. No. Um, let's talk about books. Books. Like you books. write books. I, I turns out I do write books, sir. I'm I think a, you put. Well, you, you must have put out at least five this year. I think. I didn't believe it or not. This year was my first like year where I think I think I had one book out, and it was really? in January. Yeah, because Wanderers, the big Del Rey thing, is my next. I have the, I have the Miriam the final Bird Crimes book 
comes out uh, Man, in January. I can't wait January. to see if they finally catch that fucking bird. There, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to say anything, but I'm saying there might be some tricksy. I might flip the script in a Shyamalan way on the bird. Yeah. Can't wait to see what happens to that bird because I'll tell you what. I think I speak for everybody who reads your books and is intimately familiar with your books, mm-hmm. as I am. Um, I just want to see that bird go down, Chuck. Yeah, the bird. I know. We all want justice. Bird justice. I get it. <laughs> Ornithology justice. Uh, no, so then I had, very- I had Wanderers, but I have Wanderers, and it took up everything. Like, it's yeah. a 280,000-word, 800-book, or 800-page mega book, Jeez, and it took up man. everything. Yeah, it cratered sort of my writing career, and so, uh, my writing time, which is good. I mean, it's a good thing. I'm excited for it. It feels to me like you're someone who is able to balance. I mean, every every book you write is is a personal project and a passion project because it has to be because that's the nature of books. Um, but you've been very good about like one that's yours and then one that's for somebody else. I feel like over yeah. the last few years, yeah, that's kind of been the thing. Um, I'm moving hopefully back toward just more for me, and hopefully, yeah. hopefully I can survive because well, that's books a that are crazy level of output, Chuck. It was. I was. Yeah. I was like writing like four or five a year and publishing roughly the same. It was a little. It was. A, I was. There were mistakes. Mistakes were made. Well, it sounds like maybe this year you had a little more time to read books than to write. Uh, books. You'd, <laughs> you'd think, wouldn't you? That's the problem. It's like uh, being a writer is reading books is rarely about reading other people's fiction anymore. It's often about uh, either if I am reading fiction, it's for blurbs, which is great, but at the same time, it feels like a tiny bit like homework. Yeah. Uh, and then also, I read a ton of stuff. For research so uh it leaves me with it's like and, and then you ha- i have a child so anytime i'm like i can sit down for an hour and read and then you know my son's like i have things i require of you father it's like ah, ah, ah. okay all right greetings i am a human life i know and i depend I, upon you yeah to go <laughs> are you sure aren't you like seven now can't you just drive to the store yourself uh yeah so no but i did i did read some books do you want to go first on the book book front yeah book I, and i want to say mm-hmm. uh Here's the thing about me and and books is I yeah. never pay attention to what year the books that I'm reading have come out. Yeah, year and book don't matter as much as they do for other things. Yeah, year and book are not a thing for me. So my my favorite book of this year that I read was actually one that was called 24/7 um Late Capitalism and the End of Sleep. Oh. oh. Um yeah, and it's it's about something that uh, it's by Jonathan Crary, and it's a, a book about something that I think about all the time, which is um, when am I not going to have to sleep? Mm. When, oh, like when they scientifically end it? Like yeah, like wh- fuck how sleep, long? Done will, with sleep. Yeah, like what is what is being interconnected in in this world and this time mm-hmm. uh, mean for like the twenty four seven life? Like you oh, can. Yeah. I can go on. I can I can go on the internet at three in the morning and check YouTube, and there are uh, fifty thousand new videos for me to watch. Right? Like yeah, it's the not world like a movie doesn't theater stop. Where they close. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is all the time now, and there's this idea of like, oh, if only I didn't have to sleep. Can you imagine all the things that I could get done, or all the all the amazing extra stuff that could happen, or yeah. the stuff that I wouldn't be missing out on if I had to sleep? Um, oh, FOMO. Yeah. Yeah, what? and it's it's this weird confluence of like wanting to be productive and wanting to be uh, wanting to be connected and wanting to be experiencing things and also wanting to just kind of like get a leg up on everybody else sure. in a way. And this book kind of examines like how a lot of people due to societal stuff have that dream now and that fantasy. Oh, interesting. Uh, and actually what's going to happen is uh, when sleep goes away, it will probably be taken from us by the same like, government slash military slash 
capitalist overlords that kind of take everything away from us. Yeah, but they'll sell it to us first. That'll yeah. be the trick. Yeah. So, so people who don't have to sleep will initially be the very rich, the very uh, influential. Sure. Um, then as it trickles down, uh, much like everything else, every advantage that we're yeah. given, uh, by the time it trickles down to the average person, it will just be used to sort of exploit you. Oh, so it's good. like, by the yeah. time I don't have to sleep, like I'll probably still have to pay for the drug that makes it so I don't have to sleep. Of course. Um, and then but, actually the rich will return to sleeping. Yeah, the, the rich sleep will- Sleep is great. Yeah, the rich will sleep. It'll be like- yeah. It'll be like uh, being overweight in the 1800s, right? It's like, look at how much I can eat. Right. I slept um, for 12 hours today. Yeah, I didn't even need to. Um, <laughs> but by the time I have to take the drug that makes me not sleep, yeah. uh, I will also have to work 20 hours of the day, oh right? Yeah. And, the, and the drug will just be like an expense that's added on. And so this sure. book is really like, hey, I know what you're thinking, but maybe you should be in defense of your own sleep. Yeah. Maybe you yeah. should. Well, it's like privacy, right? I mean, yes. we all like, we're like, oh, it's cool to be online all the time and here's where I'm going and here's what I'm eating and here, and then we're like, wait, you know, we know everything about you now. Yeah. Your privacy uh, is a foregone conclusion. To exactly. Us. And it's, it talks a lot about that, about how like sleep is the one place no one can get you. Uh, oh, but boy. we have that's this. Like, that's some horror movie shit. Right yeah. There. That's, like a, that's a tagline that, yeah. They can't, they can't come for you in your sleep. There's nothing, yeah. but we have this natural primal fear of sleep because we feel yeah. it our most defenseless. It's a very interesting book. Oh, I need to read that. Okay. Yeah, and it's a, it's a quick read too. Uh, runner-ups probably go to uh, How to Change Your Mind uh, by Michael Pollan. Uh, oh, Michael Pollan. Yeah, that's the, his um, head trip book, right? This is his head trip book, which yeah. is another thing that I really love uh, yeah. and I'm very interested in. And then uh, How to Talk About Racism was a good one. It was a good year for just like, Yo, examine the world around you. <laughs> yeah, or don't, because it's all on fire. Yeah. Don't, don't even look. Maybe don't look. Just don't look. Uh, yeah, all right. So for me, um, kind of a runner-up here, but uh, it's a really such a cool book. The uh, Dungeons & Dragons Art of Art and Arcana book. Yes! Oh, my God. Like, first of all, the book is so big that... It's, you know, it's not like a sit down and just read it book, but, um, I mean, if you dropped it like on a human baby, it would not merely kill the baby, but turn it into a pudding. Like it's yeah. just a, it's just such a heavy, that baby uh, would take 2d6 bludgeoning damage from oh, the book. It really would. And then it would turn into a black pudding, a blood pudding. <laughs> so, um, that's, it's just a cool, like cool deep dive into the D and D thing. Right. I yeah. Mean, awesome. I got the, um, I got the collector's edition one, yes, the one that comes same. in the slipcase, yep. and it comes with a reprinting of the original Tomb of Horrors. Tomb of Horrors, baby, that's right. Whew! And it yeah. was—it's crazy to see. I think of Dungeons and Dragons as like it's always been this beautiful, polished, polished artwork, like lush, no. lavish books nope. for your for your shelf. Um, God, the cover to Tomb of Horrors is like. Tomb of Horrors, like you ordered it and it was just like photocopied on graph yeah. paper. Yeah. It was wild to see it as it was originally printed. Yeah, I almost like wish some things would still be that way. Yeah. Just for that sort of the cool garbage quotient of it. Like, yeah, just, like we like, just like, I threw this together last night and sent it out to my friends. Cool. I think things now like really are missing a sort of rougher sort of zine type quality. Yeah. Like there used to be a lot of ways that you could just get weird little little paper craft things from people. And you yeah. still can, like if you search if you search things like Etsy or like go on people's uh like big cartel pages or whatever. Like sure, you can hunt sure. that stuff down. You can find it, yeah, but it's not like as freely accessible or yeah. as re- reliant upon it. But it's cool to, it's art and arcana is cool as like a 
it collects literally all of that stuff, all of that art, all of that progression. Yeah. But also like gives the entire history. They did such an amazing job. So uh, then I've got three novels. I can't really say which one's the best, but they're all kind of vaguely apocalyptic. Uh, weird how that's a theme. Uh, Book of M by Pung Shepherd is like, I, I don't want to spoil too much. I don't want to spoil too much about any of these books, but uh, the apocalypse that it sets up is that people's shadows begin disappearing. Uh, and as the shadows disappear, um, their memories start to go. And when they forget something in their mind, it can actually literally disappear from the world. Uh, and you can see how that would be a problem. Oh, I like uh, that. And it's poignant and sad, but and poetic and freaky. It's good. Uh, Calculating Stars, Mary Robin at Koal, maybe maybe my favorite book of the year. And really like one of those books that's unexpected for me because I, I get too many books. People just send me books for like, not even just blurbing purposes. Like public, I'm on a publisher's list and I just get books in boxes every week. And uh, it's like a, a, a it feels that's like- That's so a, dope. It is, but it's horrible because yeah. like I can't read them all. So I feel like I'm drowning in other people's awesome books no, that it I was don't a, have time to read. It was the same thing when I was a game reviewer. It was like I was getting all these games and like all these codes to download games. And I was like, every single one of these represents 20 hours of my life. Yes, yes. And I, I feel like if I would have told myself as a as a, a young, young gentleman, uh, yeah, you're going to receive all the books of the day in science fiction and fantasy and horror. And uh, you're going to hate it. You're just going to get them for free. And you're gonna, you're just gonna hate that. Uh, so, but that that book sort of just like landed, and I was like, I kind of here's how I, because I have very little time, and I'm very uh, merciless with books these days. So I tend to just like open it and read the first page, and then I know it's a book I'm gonna like if I'm like 30 pages into it before I'm like I am late for like a you know orthodontist appointment. Like I should not be reading this book right now. I didn't mean to fall into that hole. So uh, calculating stars is sort of like a, a little bit of a hidden figuresy sort of thing where. Um, um, a meteorite hits and sort of decimates uh, the DC area. And it's about in the fifties and um, it's post-World War II. And it's about a Jewish woman who sort of starts to see the cascading effects from this single meteorite hit. And she begins to sort of tackle sexism and racism in the industry, uh, in, in the government and NASA and stuff to try to figure out how we solve this problem. And if we have to go to space to save ourselves, and it's just a really wild book. And it's really sort of an, an empathic, beautiful uh, wonderful book and very oh, optimistic great. despite everything uh, on the other end of the spectrum totally not optimistic is Paul Tremblay's Cabin at the End of the World which is easily one of the most fucked up books I've ever read uh, there is a lovely uh, couple uh, two men go uh, on vacation into the woods with their daughter their adopted daughter and uh, these four people show up and these four people are kind of little for lack of a better terms Trumpy and uh, these four people have uh, shared in some collective prophecy that they have to offer. And they have these like weird forged weapons, uh, like axes and hammers that they've made themselves. And uh, they tell this couple uh, and their daughter, one of you has to kill or, or two of you have to kill one of you to sacrifice or the end of the world is coming in the next couple of days. And we're going to stay with you here to try to help you uh, make this decision uh, because if you don't, uh, eventually like the seals are going to start opening and horrible things are going to happen and horrible things start to happen. But then the question is, and this is kind of a Paul Tremblay hook. Mm -hmm. uh, everything is very supernatural adjacent. You don't actually know if the apocalypse is happening because it sort of makes the point. Like if you turn on the news at any given time, it looks kind of like the apocalypse is happening. Right. So you would very easily could convince someone that the end of the world was here just by turning on the news. And it's a really 
It's just not a, it's a very uncomfortable book. Yeah. Paul Tremblay is a monster and he should be ashamed of himself for how, <laughs> for how good and how bad he is. Ooh, I like all yeah. those. All of those yeah. sound relevant to my interests. Yes. Let's go to games. Oh, games. All right. Games is going to be hard. Games is tough this year. Games uh, is tough, first of all, because there's so many AAA games that are amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But also because, like, it almost feels so obvious. <laughs> like, it's hard to just be like, well, I like Spider-Man and Red Dead Redemption 2. Obviously. I mean, obviously, can I, great. Can I, like, can I come out and say something? Oh, can it. I give a you hot take on popular opinion? Hot take. Cowboy game is fine. It's fine. Cowboy game is fine. It's fine. It's not a particularly great or fun game to actually play. The actual no. playing of it is very uh, is very slow and kludgy. And awkward as shit in terms of its control scheme. I'm yeah. constantly punching horses and tripping over shit. Yeah, it's one of those deals where it's like, hey, if you do anything crazy in this town, and this was sort of a thing that was fun and hilarious and surprising back in the, in the Grand Theft Auto days, is like you're yeah. walking around in a Rockstar game, and you yeah. go to talk to somebody and you accidentally pull a gun on them and then you're wanted. Yeah. And yeah. and at that point in the time, like we, uh, you know, I'm sitting on a couch with my with my friends in high school and we're all stoned. Yeah. And I accidentally pull a gun on somebody. And it's and now hilarious. We're, now we're all cracking up. It's good times. Um, Chaos ensues. Uh, yeah. But now it's been like, you know, 15 years. The gun and the talk, not the same button unless you can pull that off. Spider-Man no. pulls that off. Spider-Man pulls that off. The... There was a lot about a lot of respect to Rockstar games. They're all technical achievements, like yeah. But damn, they're they're maybe not the most fun to play anymore. <laughs> no, and especially like with the Grand Theft Auto thing, which is clearly set in sort of a snarky, sarcastic version of our universe, um, and it's not earnest and it's not serious. Mm-hmm. So it kind of works that everything doesn't work. Yeah, that it's like everything feels loosey goosey, and you're just on the run. But this feels like so meticulous and then when it gets it wrong it feels like you feel like you're playing with gloves on yes it's just a strange like it's a distance well there's a lot of there's yeah they try to do everything they've always tried to do everything and they don't it takes my guy five seconds to sit in a chair yeah but i don't have to sit in the chair there's no reason to make it so i can sit in that chair no no um and it's it's just very strange they yeah like eating a fucking bowl of stew is like a it's a thing that takes time. And like yeah. on the one hand, I I appreciate the authenticity that my character's gotta lift it and slurp the bowl. But on the other hand, I just want to like do-do and like stew points. I just want like a yeah. stew points thing coming up. It, it is a video game and I do know that. Like you can still just, just have that happen. Just watching this like realistic animation system glitch around and try to figure <laughs> out how to get my realistically moving cowboy to sit on this chair. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's yeah. it's very strange. And that kind of like to me that brings me to two of my my games that I think are mm-hmm. man, one of them yeah. is probably it, but I can't I can't really say which one is Ooh, it. Ooh, I'm intrigued. Uh it's it's got a worse Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. Um, but both of those games are very good at being very unrockstar. And that yes. they are these giant open world games that have decided, what if it's an open world game that just does four things really well? Can yeah, we make I an entire world around your character being able to do four things mechanically very well? Yes. Um, and God of War and Spider-Man both do that. It also helps that they, God of War especially, reinvents a character that I had zero interest in. Zero care about and totally nails it, boy. I mean, it's great. So good. Yeah, and and it also kind of highlights the thing that I 
really love in AAA games these days, which is like they have the time and money to make a to make a really good almost movie like story. Yes. Um which is like it's wild to me how much I love the story of God of War. Yeah. Wild to me. <laughs> it sings. It just sings. It's really yeah. unbelievable. But I love I love both of them. Those are both uh, definitely on my list. Um we've talked about Spider-Man PS4 on this podcast. Oh, it's sublime. Quite a bit even though this is a podcast about Thor Ragnarok and only, only Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's it's kind of like games right now are, are crossed between the one or two of these beautiful, exceedingly long uh, AAA games that I can play within a year. Yeah. Uh, up against games that are really small and yeah. do things very well and are very interesting for like 10 hours and then they're gone. Yeah, that, that was one of my games is Unravel 2 because it sort mm-hmm. of fits that. And I love the first one too. Um, it's a game we kind of, can sit down with our our son and play and we can all kind of take turns at it and have you know strategy sessions how you approach this particular task and it's like a it's a platformer but it's not a punishing platformer and there's a story going on but it's not a really um a dense chewy story it's kind of happening in the background and it's sort of unfolding visually and it's got this beautiful soundtrack and it's just a wonderful sort of meditative game while still functioning as a game not yeah. just a uh you're not just moving through a story beat you know, in a visual way. Well, and the nice thing about Unraveled too is it has that really good um, cooperative element too. Yeah, the cooperative element. Nailed, they nailed it. I was kind of afraid it was just going to not work. Yeah, you can go back and forth between one player and two player in that game as often and mm-hmm. as quickly as you like. And it's yeah. it's really nice if you're playing like with a kid or with somebody who doesn't play games very often because you can be right. like, cool, well, we'll just swap to one player for this. I'll get us through it. And then- That's exactly right. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, For me, one of the small, like uh, one of the small ones that I really loved this year was Donut County. Oh, Donut County was fun. It was quirky. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be though, because there was that whole thing about the cloned version of what what Donut.io or whatever Whole.io or whatever it was. Yeah, actually, Donut County didn't really look like the Whole.io looked more like uh, a Katamari sort of riff. Yeah, whereas this was a little more like very narrow focused. Uh, story-driven missions. Yeah, one of the tricky things when you're when you're making an independent game is the marketing and promotion around it. When you know that you're working with a small team and somebody yeah. can just like take your mechanic really quickly, just take it. Bye. Yoink. Yeah, because it's like we're a game. Uh, Donut County is a game where you you start off as a small hole in the ground, and yeah. as you uh, go underneath things and make them drop into your hole, your hole gets bigger and you yeah. can like drop, you're eventually dropping houses and things like that. It's like a reverse, a reverse Katamari Damacy. Yeah. yeah um, except that it's, um, and also driven by a raccoon. Yeah. 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 It's a raccoon. <laughs> a trash panda, glorious trash panda. Yeah. It's a raccoon who, who remote controls these holes and is like, yeah. really wants a drone more than anything. Like yeah, it's really much. weird. Yeah. It's bizarre, um, but I love it. But like, yeah, whole, like they released the first trailer for Donut County a few years ago. And this team that made whole.io, which is the ripoff, just looked at it and went, okay, we can do that. And they put out this mobile game that's like literally the soulless clone version of it. Yeah. Uh, yep. But one of the things that makes Donut County so wonderful, you know, is this like raccoon yeah, and this voice. world yeah. that's like created uh, where humans and animals live together, but it's a very, it's a world that we recognize. Like one of the things I love about Donut County is the characters talk like, people talk right now and right, it's right and it's not it doesn't sound like a writer trying to write young people right now it sounds no. like yeah 
it's legitimate. Like these characters are talking to each other like people talk to each other right now. Um, and it's just it's 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 just this perfect little bite-sized game. Um, yeah, it's fast. Uh, this year was also like a really good year for for kind of Metroidvania games. Dead Cells was really good. Um, man, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, we also play a lot of Pokemon Go and Let's Go in my house this year. Oh, we just got the Let's Go for Christmas Oof. for uh, our son. Yeah. yeah. Okay. See, I'm new to Pokemon. Oh, really? Like, I actually, yeah, no, because like I just... I grew up just past it. Like we played Magic the Gathering and Pokemon started to land and I was then, now I'm too cool for Pokemon yeah. suckers. And it was then, magic like, just, for it, babies. It was magic for babies, you little jerks. <laughs> and I just, the gear never clicked for me. So suddenly I have a seven-year-old who like wants to know everything. Actually, he, I shouldn't say he wants to know. Someone must sneak into his room at night and tell him Pokemon lore because he knows so much about it and I don't know how. Uh, <laughs> so he, he constantly is lecturing us about evolutions and, and this character. And uh, when we went to see Pokemon The Power of Us in the movie. Oh yeah, was, that was a thing, and I had a lot of questions about. Oh, Pokemon. Let's go is wonderful because that's what I hear. My wife uh, was not a Pokemon person either; didn't know much about Pokemon, but loved Pokemon Go. And Let's Go is just a remake of the original Game Boy Pokemon games, but yeah. in three D and with like some quality of life improvements. And damn, damn if she didn't love it, and damn if I didn't love watching her play it, yeah, and experiencing the story of Pokemon for the first time. Soul comics. Um. um you know, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll, let me. I'll tell you one thing I like about the Spiderman game, and then also that f- kind of feeds into this comics conversation is that I feel like that game gets Spider-Man in such a perfect encapsulation, and not just like a narrow vision of like how cool he is, but like all of the Spidermans throughout, you know, my childhood and through the cartoon and through the comics and through the movies. It feels like a distillation of. All of it. Yeah. And that is why I like Tom King's run on Batman right now, because I feel like he has a perfect distillation of all the the Batmans. Tom King. Every Batman is, it's perfect. Tom King really yeah. is the guy that you bring in when you're like, he's he's sort of, I I think he's the new Grant Morrison. I can see that. Not, but like, not as fucking weird not stylistically yeah of course but like in his having a voice and he's the you know, fixer he's yeah. the guy that you bring in and you're like this character's got a lot of crazy ass threads yes that have been going Agreed. on forever and yeah. these characters are buck wild and we need to we need to tweak these knobs we need to yeah. pull these levers and we need to make this character work and i feel like tom king is the guy that does that better than anyone right now i could totally buy that i'm with you uh, let's see what else. Uh, just for that sort of old school X Files, um, Night Stalker vibe. Uh, Saladin Ahmed's and Sami Cavella's uh, Abbott. Yes, uh, Abbott's on my right? list too. Abbott's great. Abbott is uh, Abbott is this crazy. If you have not read it, it's it's sixties Detroit like yeah uh, dealing with racism and journalism, but also demons and darkness. Yeah, it's so good. He's yeah. he's having a year, man. He is having the year. He nailed it. Like, here's the thing. Uh, he's a friend, and uh, he's a fucking amazing talent. Uh, and I know he's kind of had a hard go of some things. I know uh, just sort of personally and um, sort of creatively. Uh, he had his novel drop, and I don't think a, a follow-up ever really came out. But uh, the comics format is his, it's his, it's like his swan, it's everything about, he just nails it. He's crushing Perfect. it because his Black Bolt is on my list Black as Bolt's well. Black so good. And uh, he just dropped- Exiles, uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, he just dropped the Miles Morales Spider-Man number yep. one and whoo, that's a good yeah. one too. He's so good. he's very good. 
Yeah, he's very good. So uh, that's great. Um, Euthanauts. I don't know if you read Euthanauts. Mm-hmm. Teeny Howard, Nick Robles. Oh my God. It's like a sort of imagine like flatliners, but like much weirder and more comic booky. Like in space, instead of like outer space, it's like death is a frontier oh. you can travel into and sort of examine. It's real thoughtful and funny and quirky and it's great. Oh, that's very, uh, oh, that's uh, that's on IDW's new imprint. Yeah, it's, uh, that's right, that's right. IDW so that's is good. is branching out into, into original stuff this year and it's been yes. very, very good to very watch them do worth, it. worth doing. Uh, and then uh, Sparrowhawk, Delilah Dawson. Yep. Uh, Matthias Basla. I mean, it's just unseely, seely, you know, that sort of like you got that Alice in Wonderland quality to it, falling into a, a place and learning your only way out of the fairyland is to fight your way out. It's really cool. Yeah, that's a great book. I uh, I have um, pour one out, I think, for the entire young animal imprint. Yeah, yeah. That was this yep. year. Eternity Girl, right? Um, yeah, Eternity good. Girl, but also Cave Carson. Yep. Um, also, Doom Patrol, which is going to come back. Um, yeah. But, God damn, they were doing something something absolutely wild and just really, really fun over at Young Animal. And uh, I was really sad to see it go because a lot of those comics, Cave Carson and Doom Patrol in particular, were, um, were very high on my list of current comics. And I'm yep. a big Doom Patrol guy. And so when they were like, Doom Patrol, and it's Gerard Way, and I was like, I don't yeah. know, what? dude. What? I was yeah. like, he's great, but don't fuck with Doom Patrol. Like, yeah. Uh, and he on, fucked Gerard. with Doom yeah. Patrol, and it's very, in very the right good. way. Yeah, in the right way. Um, yeah. Also, I want to I want to shout out uh, Chip Chip Zarsky's spectacular Spider Man run. Yeah, and he's got some interesting stuff coming up too with Spider Man. Yeah, he's teasing. he's wild, man. Like that's a guy who's made like quite a transition over the last couple years um, from being like the dude who is the dude who is like Matt Fraction's artist. Yeah. All of a sudden, to like one of the one of my favorite writers in all of comics. Yeah, and he's a goofy dude in the best way possible. Yeah, um, I also want to say, uh, "Girl from the Other Side." I don't know if you're reading that. That's a. Oh, I don't. That, no, I haven't read. That's that. a Japanese comic about a, a young girl who is living in a, like literally six or seven years old, who is living in a cabin with a a monster, um, mm-hmm. and the deal is that um, there are these monsters, and if they touch people, the people become monsters. No. Um, and so he, he, this girl is like an orphan and this monster is trying to take care of this girl, but he can't ever come into contact with her. Um, no. and he's trying not to become a full monster himself. It's like a very good, very like quiet fairy tale-ish book that I enjoy. That works. Um, and then I think my number one. Yeah. Let's hear it. And this was a real superhero heavy year for me, which is not usually true. Yeah. Um, but Mr. Fucking Miracle, dude. Oh, Mr. Miracle. Well, that's another Tom King. Another, joint. T- I know, another Tom King. And this is God a, damn it, Tom. This is another one where like Tom King like first came into uh, came onto my radar when he was doing the Vision, Vision right? Yeah. Um, and then obviously took over Batman and did some mm-hmm. like amazing, amazing shit with Batman. Um, I care about like we've talked about this. I care about Batman more than I've cared about Batman in years and years and years. Yeah, because he's so hard. He's just such a hard character to care about. Um, and but Tom King does a great job with like taking these characters and is like and being like, okay, strip everything away. What is the internal conflict of this character? What is this character? What is the metaphor that is also this character? And how do I just like laughy taffy pull that? 
Yeah, why do you give a shit about them? Yeah, you and expose that and stick you in. Mr. It. Miracle was when I was a kid was always this like very he's this brightly colored alien like escape artist. He's a magician. He's an alien yeah. magician and like his name is Scott Free and that's of like course. this whole wink it's this cheesy wink and he's part of like the whole new gods sort of yeah. pantheon which is also kind of like this weird way too 60s Super thing for weird. me. Yeah. yeah, it's always been too weird. It's just too weird. It's just yeah, too, it's weird. too weird. Like, we love weird. Asgard here on this show. Yeah. And New Gods. And Darkseed, okay, fine. But, like, you start to dig deeper and it gets a little, yeah. it's always a little out of distance for me. But taking the idea of Mr. Miracle as this guy who's, like, always been looking for an escape, always yeah. been looking for a way out, and what that means in, in his personal life, um... And and also like look at what that means for celebrity because Mr. Miracle is one of those DC heroes who's like has a public persona. Yeah. Um, and is known as Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle is like a celebrity. And so it's just really, it's really wild just like watching that whole thing play out. And it started a little too dark for me, in all honesty. I was like, Tom okay. King. Yeah, I can see that. Calm, calm, calm yeah. your ass down because Mr. <laughs> Miracle is fun. Slow down, Tom. Yeah. Uh, but by the end, it gets it gets real wild and super enjoyable. So yeah. that's my pick, I think. Good. Good pick. Let's do, let's move on to mm-hmm. the televisions. Yeah, televisions, man. Television's another hard one because it's like it's too much TV right now. It's too much. And it we are really, I say this, but we're really in a special time for television. We really are. This is I don't know if this is like the new golden age or the Renaissance. I don't know what age it is, but TV man is singing right now. I, for the first, over the last couple of years, I watch more TV than movies and that's never been true yep. in my life. Yeah, same. And it also fits with my life more in that it's easier for me to carve out a half an hour or an hour of time than it is to carve out two good hours for film. Yeah, but now it's like, that's an illusion, right? The idea that you're carving out an hour because what <laughs> yeah. it really is, is now you're carving out 10 hours for extremely long, yes. well-written movies. Yes, We're, that's true. TV, that's TV true. is now the novels of movies. It is, yeah. TVs are the novels of movies. That's what we say. Ladies and gentlemen, that's science. <laughs> that is science. Uh, let's see. So TV for me, it's mm-hmm. tough. There were some good continuing shows. Um, sure. First of all, BoJack Horseman. You know, I have not yet gotten into the BoJack. Ooh. I feel like I, I know, but I isn't it just sort of a fucking bummer? Isn't that sort of a- It is a bummer, and it's a yeah. hilarious bummer, which is okay. exactly the Venn diagram of me. <laughs> it's the perfect thread in that needle. Ooh, can it be funny if it's not also sad? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it can. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, BoJack Horseman, just every year I'm like, well, they're done. They've, yeah. they've examined this character. They've done this thing. Um, nowhere else to go. Nowhere else to go. There's an episode of BoJack Horseman this year that is literally a one, like, it's a monologue. It's an animated show that does a monologue for 20 minutes, and it works. <laughs> okay. It's just a monologue. It's just a character monologuing. And I'm really? like, why is this good? It's an animated show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um. Also, The Good Place. The good place. That's on my list. The good place. I that shouldn't be that good. Can we just say that right now? It's way too high concept and weird for it to work. This season should have destroyed. Totally works. This season should have destroyed it. The most recent multi Janet episode. Ah, it's wild. And like, if you have give Darcy Carden all the awards. Darcy Carden, what awards you have? Is give them to amazing. Is amazing. I don't care if Oscars don't go to TV people. They do now. 
they that's it. Sorry. They do now if, Grammys. If if TV is the novels of of movies, yep. Then guess what? Dar- Darcy Carden gets an Oscar. That's right. It's 2018. We're breaking down all of the cosmic infrastructure. Just give her the egon and move on. Time is a flat structure. Is a flat circle. Is yep. Um, Listen, I was about to say Mm -hmm. time is a flat structure, as though time is like uh, an office that has no cubicles and everybody's allowed to talk to their manager whenever they want. Oh God, it is. Or it's open concept. Yeah, it's real open concept. But that's not what they said in that show. So I had to stop. It should be. It should be. What else was What else was on for me? Okay, uh, Atlanta. Also a continuing one that's brilliant. Also, yeah, of course. Big Mouth. If you haven't watched Big Mouth, uh, I did. I like Big Mouth. Big Mouth is uh, way dirtier than I thought, and occasionally makes me feel oddly uncomfortable yes. because these are these are young children, right? And they're but it's like South Park, but like more real. So yeah, Big Mouth is about kids basically going through puberty. Yes, and, and it does not shy away. No, and it's it's Nick um, Kroll and John Mulaney and uh a super duo yeah. can we just say a super duo and Maya Rudolph is there and like yep. they are very very realistic about what it feels like yep to be a kid going through puberty and it's fucking gross it is fucking gross it's and fucking gross, and gross dude and i yep. love that they make it funny and they make it like endearing that it's so it's gross it's earnest it's a super earnest yeah super earnest um, despite what you think let's see uh mrs mazel you know what? I uh, I have bounced off that one. That's okay. I, I, man, the first season, I was totally into it. And over time, I got this sort of sense. And there was a great, um, I think it was Emily Nussbaum who wrote a great uh, sort of, I don't want to call it a takedown because it it's a thoughtful critique of the show. But I found that it just sort of get it, got a little too um, saccharine. She's so perfect. I am a Gilmore Girls uh, forever guy. Yeah. I, I will watch Gilmore Girls all the time. So I'm into the voice. I'm into the writing. Amy Sherman Palladino is such a sharp, sharp uh, writer. But it just felt like a little over time, a little preening in how it was like, isn't she the best? Yeah. Like everyone sucks and she's the best. Yeah. And they definitely, by the end of, by the, end of the first season and in this new season, uh, this is a show about uh, a, woman in the, a woman in the 50s who wants to be a stand-up yeah, comic. Yeah. Um, yep. And so and she just kind of stumbles into it. She's just sharp as a tack. Yeah. She's just this sort of brilliant woman living in New York who is living at a time when you, being a brilliant woman is kind of not the thing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And it's, it, it, in the second season, they definitely go like, okay, she's not a superhero. She's not perfect. Let's, okay, let's take this down a peg. Uh, the thing that's kind of getting to me in, in season two, and I'm not done with season two yet, is... Um, you can't, she keeps mm-hmm. hanging out with like Lenny Bruce and like yeah. all these very famous comics from the time. Right. And we're getting to the point where they're going to have to explain why I've never heard of her. Yes. Um, yeah. Wh- like you're going to have to all, because I know she's like, she's a riff on Joan Rivers, correct? Isn't that kind of their yeah. basis for her? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's, it's kind of one of those deals where, um, you're, you're going to have to transition this into something. And I think the direction they're going in is they're going to make her like the, the female half of like a, a like a, like a Burns a and Allen sort of thing. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, where she's going to have to be the brains and, but also on stage be the sidekick. Right. And I think that's kind of where they're going, but also. That'll be a good, yeah. Yeah, but you're, you're going to have to like conflict. explain why I've never heard of her. Um, <laughs> but also. That I think the reason why this, it didn't bounce off of me and it has bounced off a lot, a lot of people is um, it just, that sounds like my family. 
Oh, sure. This is like a very, I mean, not so much like my mother to me, but like my grandmother to my mother, like the older generation of my family is definitely this like ostentatious 1950s Jewish family. Sure. And so like everything they're saying, everything they're doing, the way they look at life and the way they, their philosophies on things, I'm like, yes, 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 that's (laughs) correct. I have seen that. That's real. Um, (laughs) So that's kind of why it speaks to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, mm-hmm. let's hear it. Drum roll, please. It goes, it goes between two shows this year. Ooh. One that absolutely was set up to fail and disappoint me. And I, I loved it anyway. And the other one that just continues being perfect, even though it, it can't possibly maniac and mm. Legion. Oh, Legion. Holy shit. Legion. Legion. So Maniac, real quick, like Maniac initially seemed to me like in the first episode, it was going to be this very leftover from 2006 story that we've heard a hundred times about, gosh, like a, like a, like a quiet, shy, nervous guy in his thirties who just can't make it happen, meets the manic pixie dream girl and they have a slightly (laughs) surreal Spike Jonesy, Charlie Kaufman-y sort of love affair together in a heightened reality. Yeah. And the first season or the first episode fucking plays that way. Uh, it does, yes. And I was about to just dip, just fucking bolt out of that show. Yeah, and the advertising didn't shy away from that either. No. Um, yeah, I was worried about yeah, it. Yeah, and then I kept watching it and I was like, no, this is doing something different. This is doing something yeah. weird and funny and strange and not as pretentious as you think it's going to be that's the I mean, biggest that sounds thing. like a weird yeah that's the biggest thing is i it was yeah. set up to be the most pretentious thing in and the world not. and it wasn't no. and i just it's a beautiful show uh carrie yeah. fukunaga like can do no wrong no he really can't everything he does is beautiful 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 yeah. and in most in most shows when it's like and now they go into their dream it's never dreamy enough for me no this is it this is this does it this doesn't. Mm-hmm. So that's one of them. And then Legion is definitely, everybody go fucking watch Legion. How do they get away Legion, with making Legion? I mean, Legion? but you know what? They're, I feel like they're actually similar shows. I mean, they're not in terms of what they're necessarily saying or how it kind of goes, but they're in the sense of like a very visually compelling, very strange, hallucinogenic. Yeah. Uh, willfully so. Uh, but, and again, not pretentious. Could be. Could be. But also like the other thing I love is, is shows like this that, um, like these two shows, that really, um, they don't shy away from the fact that like the plot and the dialogue and everything, event after event after event doesn't have to make sense as long as the feeling makes sense. Yeah, and the characters stay true to that. Yeah, the characters are true to themselves. The plot feels correct, even though like you could immediately start picking it apart because it's a surrealistic yep. show. That's a hard right. tightrope to walk in, oh, it in is. narrative and especially in episodic narrative. I love it. Uh, Legion good. is so good fucking good. Good, good choices. I'm with you. Um, all right, TV for me. We talked Good Place. We talked Atlanta. Um, Adam ruins everything. Yep. Adam Conover, man. Like, uh, boy, in a, in this era of uh, where we are not entirely certain what is even happening, much less what are facts and true. Uh, I just love his sort of you know half an hour weekly kind of like let's do a 
quickie dive into some massive topic and uh half the time let's discover that racism is at the heart of why this thing is totally screwed up yeah uh whether it's housing or climate change or whatever it may be he is the um, he is like the last bastion of that sort of internet period of a few years ago where everything was a bite-sized explainer yes um yeah and he is the last guy doing it well and doing it right i think doing it really well yeah exactly and uh i really the first time i saw it i was like well this is gonna be annoying yep uh and it was not it was super he sort of like almost fell for his quote-unquote character that's what's Uh, that's what's like wild about it mike drucker is is one of the writers on that show god love you mike and he's amazing and and he he's a buddy and we talked about how a little bit about how when you first see adam conover and you hear his voice and you see his mannerisms you're like, nope. You kind of want to punch nope. Adam Kahn over. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. And then you don't. And then you don't. You watch him for five and minutes and you're like, I like you, Adam Conover. I know. I want to hang out with you. Like, not too long, but I definitely <laughs> want to hang out with you. Uh, and then the next is not even a show so much as just a, like, we have a kid, right? So uh, we watch a lot of kid TV. Yeah. And that sounds like it would be horrible, but, but God, there's so much good cartoonage mm-hmm. happening. Uh, Craig of the Creek, We Bear Bears, Apple and Onion, which is like a really sort of like a, no one, I think everyone slept on Apple and Onion. Yeah, it's I haven't heard of that fl- one. Flight of the Concords. It's, uh, what, Richard Ioati from, uh, Oh, IT. shit, really? And he's, he's, yeah, oh God, yeah, he's the, he's, uh, Onion. How did I not and, know uh, this exists? It's a, biz- it's very Flight of the Concords kids TV. It's, everyone's a food. Yeah. And they just get on these dumb adventures. Sure. And it's amazing. So, uh, DuckTales, Duck Voltron, I mean, Voltron. Right? Ultron's good. What? The new DuckTales is fucking oh, it's unbelievable. fucking great. It's fucking great. A great voice cast, great animation, great storytelling. Uh, and then I think my favorite of the bunch is on Netflix, uh, Hilda. Yeah. Based on the uh, Luke Pearson uh, uh, graphic, graphic Yeah, novels. Hilda was and an amazing they, like, comic. They follow it perfectly. And it's such a um, sweet, kind of relaxing while being, you know, tense in the way that stories are tense in the same way. Um just a great, beautiful piece of story. And I'm glad it's coming back. Yeah, that's a beautiful uh, show. Yeah. Um, let's do movies. We'll finish it uh, up with movies. Movies. This is a hard one. It's a hard one. This year was mostly dark for me for movies. Yeah, it was pretty dark, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty dark for me too, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hereditary's on there for me. Hereditary is on there. I mean, holy shit, Hereditary. Wow. Don't lose your head though, Anthony. You, Don't lose your head about it. You want to talk about that sort of like surrealistic it's okay that the plot falls apart because yeah. it feels like what's happening is correct. Right. Hereditary does that in a way. I mean, all of its comparisons to like classic 70s horror were very yeah. apt. Um, yes. But it's also, it's also very different and very much its own thing. It, it's, it's a very modern sort of. Yes, it still sort of tackles that kind of what I feel is the, um, for lack of a better term, the malignant narcissism that occasionally pops up in uh, older middle class to upper middle class generations, mm-hmm. um, parents who are kind of very driven toward, you can kind of see it with kids that were like the grandparents want to spoil and they don't want to do anything that the parents say. It's like, I see, we see it all the time in our son's school of the, the sort of parents, this fight with their older generation. Yeah. And it's like that in hereditary, but dialed up to 11 and then the knob is broken off and stuck in your neck. Yeah. That's very good. Uh, Annihilation's on there. Sure, sure. The, the I, you know, I'm such a huge fan of the book that the movie really couldn't quite get there for. Yeah, me. and I, but, I, but it's a beautiful movie. I feel lucky beautiful. that I read the book after seeing the movie. Uh, yeah, although I'm, that. I'm also very much one of those people where it's like, I'll, I'll roll the fucking dice with a, with an adaptation. I don't care. Yeah, if it's fucking yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. You know, like 
there's no way adaptation is in any way an adaptation of the Orchid Thief, and I fucking love adaptation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's the uh, there's the documentary Minding the Gap. If you haven't watched that on Hulu, no, I haven't seen that. Uh, no. It's it's about um, some teenagers that grow up uh, just skating together, um, and yeah. kind of what happens to them over the course of their lives. This guy is just has this camera on them the whole time because they're making skate videos. And sure. it turns out he's actually making a documentary about his his friend's life and kind of fucked up home life. Um, and it's a, it's a really beautiful story. Um, and then I think my top two spots go to a movie that I think is telling the same story in the same place two different ways. Uh, Blind Spotting and Sorry to Bother You. Oh, Sorry to Bother You. That's on mine. Yeah. Uh, I often say that Sorry uh, to Bother You is like a sharp uh smarter retread of idiocracy yeah a bit uh yeah it feels to me i mean way way savvier than that but like it has that even in the background television and everything it's sort of yeah it feels to me a a lot like idiocracy but also a lot like what we were what we were just talking about with these like 2006 era like being john malkovich and like these sort of films Mm -hmm. but if those films had something to say other than it's sad to be sad do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, they're not pretentious. They're not myopic to the characters. Yeah, this and, is uh, this is a movie that's taking the visual language and storytelling of like these sort of like slightly surreal, slightly comedic wry movies that we're all used to now, but it has something fucking real to say about yeah. uh, te- uh, about like capitalism and racism and art oh my God. and technology and just yeah, and the, the, our our inability to. Um, adjust to the coming challenges yeah. of uh, capitalism and technology. Like we just, we're not adjusting well. And this is sort of like, it's such an, a surreal, unreal movie at the same time. It feels like we're like, we're kind of right on the edge of it being real. Yeah. And it's a really, it's a beautiful, brilliant, fucked up movie. <laughs> and at the same time, blind spotting is then telling the same story. It's telling the story of this, this gentrification and, this sort of uh, technology and capitalism taking over the Bay Area, but it's doing it in a very realistic way. Um, yeah, I need to see that. In a way that's very much about people who are actual residents of Oakland and how Oakland's changing. And uh, uh, fr- friend, friend of the friend of the show, friend of both of us, uh, Janita Gavankar from the Star mm-hmm. War. Of course, is, the War of Stars is also in that and gives an amazing and brilliant performance. It was those two movies are definitely those. Those are the top of the year for me. Nice. Uh, do you have do you have blockbusters? Do you like any of the blockbusters? Or are you just kind of like a? I mean, you get a lot of that. Obviously, you you live in that world a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I watch a lot of. I mean, obviously, I fucking love Solo. Obviously, I love Black yeah, Panther. Course. Like Solo to me. Yeah, Black Panther. And I always forget that Black Panther. Black Panther's twenty eighteen. Just more of the time. Can you believe that time, shit? Time means nothing. Um, but I feel like to, for nothing. me to say that for me to say that hey, I I really love this Star Wars movie is like shut up, fuck you. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I, I work I, I, for the Star War, and it's like, I of know, course I do. I like, but I will say that duh, Solo, to me, Solo is a Star Wars movie that I absolutely have always... It's this weird buddy heist movie in space, and it's a it's a comedy. It's 48 hours, but it's there's a Wookiee in it. Right. Like, I love all that shit. It's very yeah, much for me. the thing like, about Solo is, like, I don't... Why I love Solo so much is that I don't have to care that much about it. And that sounds like a damning indictment, but it's really not. It means... It's a movie I can just watch and I love it and I can watch it again and again and I love it, but I don't have to worry about like pathos or like what's the arc and the canon. It's just like, it's just fun. Yeah. And like my son watches it and 
Uh, he's not on Twitter, and so he won't tell you how much he loves it, but he just adores like every moment of it. You got to get that seven-year-old on Twitter. I do. It's so good for it's, him. It would be a great it's place. It's good for everyone. To learn him. him that and YouTube, it's good for kids. <laughs> it's good for kids. Uh, yeah, so for me, uh, hereditary, obviously. Um, sorry to bother you, obviously. Um, if you want blockbuster stuff, I uh, have. I am relatively new to the Mission Impossible franchise. Yeah. Uh, like the, I stopped it too because I was like, well, I can stop there. That was horrible. Mm-hmm. I'm not ever doing that again. That's why, why would I do more of that? They made three more of those. Don't do that. Uh, and then something about the preview just worked and I had a day off and I went and saw fallout. And, uh, then I saw that and I was like, that was uh, perfectly like nonsense, but amazing. Dude, McQuarrie crushes it, man. McQuarrie crushes yep. it. And, uh, then I went back and I watched like Jack Reacher and I watched his previous mission impossible. And I'm like, that guy knows his shit. Uh, Adam McKay was giving a talk at Lucasfilm a couple weeks oh, ago. That's awesome. Yeah. And he was like, He's so smart. He's very smart. Um, and one of the things he was saying was in his vomit drafts, he, before he even starts his vomit drafts, he thinks of nine things that he would love to see in a movie. If any, and if anybody said like, Hey, this is in, this is in this movie I just saw, he would immediately go see it. Right. Okay, so like right. for Anchorman, he was like, if I, if I heard that there was a dude in this movie that got killed with a trident, I'd go see that movie. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. So then he plays yes. a game with himself where he tries to get those nine things into the vomit draft. Oh God, that's genius. Um, and I feel like Ralph McQuarrie and Tom Cruise sit down and do that with Mission Impossible. It feels like again, and then they string a story between yeah. those nine. Just things. like what if I was hanging off the wing of a plane? Yeah, what if? What if I yeah, was great. swimming underwater in a giant turbine? Yeah, what if? I'd fucking Done. watch that. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, right. I should hate Mission Impossible, and I don't. I should too. I ju- I, should I too. love every Mission Impossible. Yeah, they are like the they are like high quality candy, like the best chocolate. Uh, and then finally, uh, you know, uh, I think we need to uh, don't sleep on Paddington. Two, do not I'm trying sleep to tell people do not on sleep Paddington on Paddington two. two. For Christ's sakes, America. Yo, and England. Paddington goes to jail is the best Paddington fucking movie. Goes to jail. What the hell? The first oh Paddington, God. Gleason. The first Paddington uh, was weird as fuck. Is yeah, and great, and great. Like it weird in the way that Babe was. Weird. Yes, exactly. And it's then, like this is a children's film with a with like a with like a winking, like kind of dark, yeah, kind of satirical yep. thing that doesn't get made as much anymore. No, uh, but this is a little bit it. This is it. And then two just was like, okay, you like that, motherfuckers. You yeah. want this bear to say something it. about society? Here it is. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking Hugh Grant, man. Hugh Grant. It's all of it. All of it. Uh, all it's of a it. very good film. Yes. Don't it is. sleep Paddington on Paddington 2. Two. Yeah, I know. Best, you heard it here Best first. film of 2018, according to your favorite Thor Ragnarok podcast. Of course. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Uh, so those, I guess, those are the Lokis. That's it, the Lokis. Congratulations to all the winners. You will receive your prizes. Yeah, uh, we'll be sending all of you weird foreign candy. Mm -hmm. Did we get any weird foreign candy? We did get a box of weird foreign candy from New Zealand. So I'm gonna I'm gonna open that up and portion it off and send it to you. Oh, thank you. Okay, that's exciting. So we can we can share the candy together. Is it just like weird? Like, is it just baggies of Vegemite? What is it? I haven't opened it. Oh, we don't even know. We don't even know. And I was thinking about having my wife open it, split it up. And then okay. shipping it to you yeah. so we could open our boxes together. Oh, like an unboxing of weird. Yeah, because I would like us to be surprised together. Yeah, okay. Because uh, I think that would be fun. Um, okay, okay. I'm so that. yeah, uh, but but of course, next week we are going to be 
talking about the final. Finally, yeah, well, we put it off, but it, we're going to do it. We're going to do the final. We just wanted to, we just wanted to delay, you know, the inevitable and give you know, a little little time, more time with you, Anthony. Yeah, more same, time. same, man. But next week we are going to finish our mission yeah. and talk about yeah. the final five minutes of Thor Ragnarok. So uh, be sure to be here for that. And hey, if you have any uh, of your own nominees for the Lokis, things that you really loved in 2018 that we didn't talk about, you can share them with us on Twitter. Twitter's horrible. We're there. Do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm at a Carboni. I am at Chuck Wendy. And uh, you can also email us at grandmaster at ragnatalk.com if you so desire. Do this. Do this. All right, Chuck, I love you, buddy. I love you. Have a good Me one. Too.